Welcome to the Fully Adored Podcast. I'm your host, Chansal Chakra, and I'm a life and relationship coach. Each week, I'm going to bring you my best advice, motivational insights, and inspiring expert conversations to help you feel empowered, aligned with your dream relationship in life, and totally ready in receiving what you desire most. It's time for you to be seen, be heard, and be deeply loved for exactly who you are. Now, let's begin Welcome back to the show. I am so stoked for you because you're going to absolutely love this episode that I did with the incredible Cassandra Vaughn. She is such an amazing, amazing woman to listen to. You know, when I need to get my daily dose of feeling inspired, really coming back to who I truly am and what, who I want to be in the moment when I forget, when I tend to forget my power and forget that I have what it takes to come back to my essence of an empowered woman. This is who I want to listen to. So in this episode, you're going to be set free. You're going to be set free if you are having challenges to find your true self. You know, she's going to guide you to bring you to the most empowered phoenix rising off the ashes that you are and we also talk about how to strengthen our self-belief and letting our light to shine through you know at these times that it's most needed that there's a lot of darkness around us how do we get ourselves to shining our light and being the light that the world needs We also talk about nourishing our inner child, the little girl within us that really needs our own love and our own support more than ever. And it is just so nourishing. You're really, really going to love this episode. You're going to really love the fact that you get to be unapologetically yourself and choosing yourself. And she's just going to walk you through all of that. So I know you're going to enjoy the episode as much as I did. I had to go back and listen to it and take notes because there's just so many golden nuggets and so many quote-worthy um conversations that we had so make sure that you listen and um if you want to take a notepad and write in you know your takeaways do that or if you're going for a walk and listen to it it's just going to really really settle in enjoy the episode and uh, make sure that you share with me what your biggest takeaways were Welcome back, everyone, to the show. As I mentioned, I have a very special guest for you today. My incredible friend, Cassandra Vaughn, is joining us today for yet another powerful episode that I have in store for you. So thank you so much, Cassandra, for being here today. Thank you so much, Sharzad, for just allowing me to, to hold space with you. Thank you for that. Oh, it's, a, it's an honor, truly an honor. I love to start with a little bit of a backstory for you, Cassandra. You have such a powerful, magnetizing energy when you speak. And at the same time, it is so grounding. It is so, you know, when I speak to you, I feel a little calmer. And I love that. And at the same time, energized. So you have this magic about you. And I want to know, were you always like this? Or did you, like most women, go on a 
pretty awesome journey <laughs> to becoming the queen that you are now. Well, uh, you know, I think uh, queens are made and born. So there's a component of both in those. So I feel like, yes, there's definitely history and things that have made me. I will say this, I'm a big believer in astrology and numerology. So I'm a five life path, which is fire. And I'm also a Capricorn, a sun in Capricorn, moon in Aries. So a lot of my friends see the very practical driven side and that's the Capricorn in me, but they also see the fire and the fire is definitely Aries. And that, you know, it's funny because my mother is an Aries and my father's a Capricorn. So mm -hmm. I took the best of them and, uh, that's what you get when you have a January baby, I guess. <laughs> love it. Love it. So, but what is the story though? What has made you um, start your path of self-discovery, becoming an incredible coach that you are and serving the women that you do? You know, that's such a, a beautiful question because I think so often people uh, will, will meet people who are fiery, passionate, focused, driven, you know, they're, they're, they see individuals like that and they go, wow, were you just always that way? Are you always on fire for life and passionate? And I think so much of the fire and so much of the passion comes from pain. So much of it. Mm -hmm. and, and I think a lot of us don't talk about the fact that when we are forged in fire, it's like the phoenix rising. But in order to be the phoenix rising, you have to die into yourself first. You rise from the ashes of who you were. So in my story, there have been lots of moments of um, having to embrace being the phoenix rising, having to take circumstances that were very, very painful and, and leverage them into power. And so, you know, I, I, would, I would first say that it has been a gift to, to be born uh, an American. Both of my parents were born in Haiti, born and raised in Haiti. So when I look at situations like the earthquakes that happened in Haiti, a few years back, I'm always grateful that um, my parents did the very difficult thing of leaving all that they knew to come to a country that they did not know mm. and produce, I was their first child and then my younger brother is the second, but they really gave us a, a quite a big head start with that one thing alone, just simply being born in the United States, opened up a world of opportunity that had they both chosen to stay in their own comfort zones and stay in Haiti, I would still be in Haiti and I would be living a completely different life. So the gift of that never leaves me. Um, and really being raised in a family where it was expected to go to college and expected, you know, in, in Haitian families, you're a doctor or a lawyer, there really is nothing else. Mm -hmm. So the expectation was very strong of you will go to school, you will go to college, you are very smart, academics is the way. And I think that's sort of where, especially for my mother, who was very strong and very powerful, um, and also a single mother raising her two children, eventually, I, I gained a lot of strength as a woman, and it was expected because she had to do that. And so she wanted to raise me from day one to do that, simply because she, I don't think she ever expected to get a divorce, but when she did, she never expected that she was not going to thrive. So she found a way to adapt. So I think being a child of divorce, being the oldest in a single mother, their household, um, really having to go through some hard things with my mother. There were moments where the house was foreclosed. Um, we had, you know, we lost the car, the car got repossessed. We had to walk to the grocery store. And I'm talking, I must've been 10 or 11 at this point. So very early on, I learned um, to be fiercely independent to, but to also be the rock of my family because my mother was very strong, but she leaned on me quite a bit. So I look at it as growing up very fast. Um, and my mother sort of foresaw that because 
she wanted me to do everything fast, even before she got divorced, even before she knew that was coming. I learned how to read at, you know, four. I went to kindergarten a year early. I graduated from high school at 16, college at 20. So I think there was always this thing in me of you've got to move very, very quickly and you've got to accomplish a lot early because life may not um, move in a direction that offers you a lot of room for ease. And so I think a lot of my passion was really forged in the fire. Wow. Wow. I'm just mesmerized listening to you. And I really can understand and resonate with that, you know, that, you know, the little girl that was expected to move quickly and she was expected to grow up quickly. And so she, she cultivates her um, fire to do that when the belief was instilled within you that, you know, life may not go as you plan. So you better be prepared and ready and just all have all your ducks in a row. That's, that's incredible. Absolutely. And, you know, and here's the thing, uh, we, we get what we believe, right? So, so mm-hmm. part, of, part of growing up and growing older was, although those beliefs were useful for a child who needed to survive in very challenging situations, those beliefs actually became not useful in my adulthood because I was now taking those beliefs expectations. And so what I started to create in my uh, late teens, early 20s into my 30s was the hardship because I had been built to walk through those things. And so as I got into my 30s, I started to see that, does that belief actually serve me? And no, that belief didn't. So I, I also had to go and start to do the deep work of removing those beliefs and replacing them with more empowering things. Hmm. So true. So true. I, you know, we go through the phases, we do the best we can with what we know. And then we reach a certain point in our lives is that is that how I want to continue being it did serve me at some point. But is this, you know, is it is there another way? Is there a better way? And it's really, it's obvious that you found another way. And I love that you love that you also talk about choosing yourself unapologetically, you, you know, I love the words that you'd use unconditionally and completely. And in a world that we are brought up, um, Cassandra, to to believe that we should put everyone else first. It's selfish to be um, choosing yourself. How does a woman can exactly do that? How does she navigate between not feeling selfish and bad about herself and actually giving herself that unapologetic choosing? You know, here's the answer I'd love to say. I'd love to say that we raise our daughters to be that way. I would love to see a generation before I leave this earth where we have actually raised girls to do that from day one. So it is never an unlearning. I would love that. For me, it was very much having to put others first to the point of absolute exhaustion and emotional breakdown um, to where I had no other choice but to put me first. Mm-hmm. It really had to be, it, I, you know, I'm a very stubborn person. So, so sometimes when the universe whispers, I choose not to listen. And then the whispers become screams and then the screams <laughs> become major life experiences. So, um, you know, I felt in my, I went to college at 16 
And, you know, my mother wanted a doctor and I was pre-med. And then, you know, I got through my sophomore year and realized I hated calculus, hated organic chemistry, didn't like the sight of blood, couldn't stand any of that stuff and was no longer pre-med. And then the next year I, I met my first husband, became pregnant at 18, married at 18, had my first baby at 19. And my parents were like, what have you done? Like what you have just ruined your whole, like our whole plan for you is ruined. Your life is over. I remember telling my father that I was pregnant at 18 and he went on this just tirade of you will never be anything. You will never, you have ruined your life. And at that moment, once again, forged in the fire, I said to myself, I made two promises to myself after getting off of that phone call. I promised myself one, that uh, my child would never remember a time when I was in school. I was an 18 year old. I believe uh, junior in college at that time, because I'd started at 16, I promised myself that my child would never remember a time that I was in school. And the second promise was I would prove them wrong. Mm. And like, once again, in that moment, those two promises, those two commitments served me very well because I did not have to lose any time in school, graduated with a bachelor's in sociology from Vassar College at 20, had my baby at 19, paid for everything associated with that baby, worked full time at night, went to school full time in the day, never skipped a beat, I got everything done, was not held back in any way, shape or form because I was so in this thing of I'm going to prove you wrong and I'm also going to give my child a life that they deserve. They are not going to be seen as a hindrance to what I was supposed to be doing. But in that, there was a lot of putting everybody else first. You know, I was driven by the need to prove other people wrong, which in a sense is, is putting other people first. Mm -hmm. I was driven now by being a mother and being a wife. And I was in situations where I was the breadwinner for quite a bit of time uh, as a professor doing two or three jobs at the same time. Uh, then I was going through infertility because I wanted a second baby in my early 20s and constantly on this hamster wheel of trying to be a good wife and a good mother and getting pregnant, even though my body wasn't allowing me to do it. And just all of this, like Cassandra was never at the center of any of that. It was always, what am I trying to have other people see, believe, know, feel based on all of the things that I'm doing. And it got to a point where, uh, you know, I had hit the I think my first son was about five years old. I just had my second son after four years of secondary infertility, uh, you know, and I was so happy to have finally gotten pregnant with my second that I discarded kind of all of the deep work that the universe was calling me to. But my second son was a little bit, you know, had almost turned a year old. And I just had this moment of clarity where I looked at my life and, and, and it just came through that this you are not living authentically. This life is a lie. And I ignored that because at the time I had, you know, my middle son was almost one. I wanted another baby. I figured it might take five more years. So I better jump on the bandwagon and start working on that quickly to get it done. And I got pregnant with my daughter, my third child pretty quickly. So they're two years apart, but that pregnancy was extremely sad because I knew that the relationship was over, the marriage was over. I knew that I could not continue to put everybody first. I knew that it was going, like this was all going to, to either explode or completely shatter because I was getting to a point in my own soul where I could no longer live for everybody else but myself. And after I had my third baby, that moment happened and it completely like life exploded. The marriage exploded. It was a custody battle, cross state custody battle. 
it ended up being quite, um, quite the explosion of my life. And that was the moment on the ground of that, where I, as the Phoenix rising, but as I rose that time, I said, I must put myself first. I have to choose me. Mm -hmm. And that's where that journey began. Wow. Wow. So many goosebumps as you share that. I mean, um, you know, going through this journey of what what I loved about what you said is that when you try to prove other people wrong, you're still putting them first. They are, they're the center of your attention, (laughs) right? Like you're not like, I need, you know, I need, I have something to prove to you. I have to make sure that you Uh, you are either approving of me or you can see what I'm capable of. So that's really, really interesting perspective that I never thought of it, but it's so true. And you, you also said that, um, you know, the universe keeps on whispering and then when you don't get the message, then it starts screaming. And that is also the truth. We keep, we could keep on turning the blind eye to something but the lesson that we are meant to learn is not gonna go away so it would be so much more easier and graceful to start listening sooner than having to go through major major drama and pain in order to get it that was really really powerful absolutely and you know it's and and there is no shame for those of us who like myself take many times to figure it out. I think I spent a long time in shame of, you know, why didn't I just leave the marriage after having my first child? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I not get married at all and just went, you know, go home to my mother and have a child on my own. And maybe I would have had a better shot at Mm. a better marriage, a better relationship, more children in a family that stayed intact. There There were years, years of shame that I had to work through. And at the end of the day, it came to a moment of when you know better, you do better. Oh, so true. So true. Because I can so resonate with that. I, you know, with with my own personal story, when I got involved with someone that was married and um, at first I didn't know. And then after, after a while I did know, and it was, you know, my self-esteem at the time was, was non-existent. So after all of that, the amount of shame that I felt that why didn't I, why didn't I walk away sooner? Why didn't I have more self-respect? And we are, we women tend to be so hard on ourselves, but the truth is that we are, we are going to learn the lesson when we are ready for it. And we don't want to pull the flower open. It just takes some time and we have to be more patient. You know, yes, as little girls, you, for example, you had to rush through things and go through things really, really quickly. And so your expectation of yourself might have been, I should have known faster and sooner. But the truth is that we have to honor the journey. I love that what you shared. So Cassandra, what does it actually look like when a woman starts to choose herself and loves herself unconditionally and completely? Um, you know, so what's interesting about that is that it is, it is a lifelong work. I think a lot of people, especially when I coach clients, you know, they sort of want, okay, give me the blueprint, give me the steps and let me go do them and then I'll arrive. It's not like a degree. You know, you get a degree. <laughs> no, it's actually called a lifelong evolution. And What it begins to look like is an everyday consciousness where you wake up and you say, what is, what is in my best interest today? What do I need today? What does loving me look like today? Mm -hmm. So I'm someone who loves to work out. I work out three hours a day. Typically I wake up by 4am. I'm working out by 4.30 to 7.30. And that is what I consider 
the first act of love towards myself in a day. However, I give myself the freedom. I woke up this morning and I said, what, what does loving myself look like today? And I said, I need a break from working out today. So I took a break and I worked on something else that was calling my spirit more. And it's the freedom and the fluidity to really wake up every morning, not with the, I think so many people wake up with the, what do I have to do? What do I have to get done? Mm. You know, that sort of racing thing from the second you get up. I've had to really work diligently to teach myself that when I wake up, the first thing I do before I even get out of bed is thank God that I woke up this morning, gratitude Mm -hmm. for the waking up. But then the second thing that I immediately go to is how am I loving myself today? What does self-love look like? What does choosing me look like today? Which means what do I eat? How do I work out? And also I usually within, after my workout is over, I sit in front of my computer and I ask the question again, what does choosing me look like today for my schedule? And I actually build my day on choosing myself first. And then I look at the request for my time. Then I look at other people's needs. Now, having been a woman who had a baby that breastfed every two hours in that season, that's a different season, right? So there are, there are certain seasons of life where Yes, the baby that has to be breastfed every two hours does come first in the sense of you're not going to sleep and that is the season that you're in. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, when you're in a season where it's not that kind of a situation, you do not have an elderly parent who's very sick at home that has to be tended to all the time. You do not have a very sick child or a very young child. Other than those specific situations, for the most part, we have the power to really guide our day, guide our lives by what are the things that nourish me? What are the things that put me at my best? What are the things that fulfill me? And what does choosing me look like? And picking at least one of those things as the start to your day, which then tells the universe and everyone else that I choose me first so I can be fully available to you second. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that so much. You just being so feminine about it, that it's not a rigid, here's the three steps, three questions, three things that you must, you know, do. It's just like today, what do I need today? In this moment, how can I choose me? And for every woman, that could be different. For every woman, um, you know, for you, it's the working out. Well, not every single day, you give yourself permission to, to change that up. But For another woman, it could be the yoga, it could be journaling, it could be just before jumping into doing all the things that we're supposed to do is taking a moment to talk to, you know, I love to talk to the little girl, my inner child and say, what do you need from me today? How can I love you more a little bit? So it's so beautiful. I'm so glad you shared that because we just think that we are meant to be productive. What are the three tasks that I'm supposed to do today? What are the things that I need to get done today? Who am I supposed to pick up at the airport? You know, all those things that are so, so in, in a masculine world rewarded as productive, but they're not nourishing to our soul and to our femininity. I really, really love that. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, to speak of the masculine, Oftentimes I will do visualizations after meditation and I will visualize, you know, entering in 
what I call a heart room with my inner child, just to have a conversation with her. Mm. And there are moments when I can tell I'm too much in my masculine because that little girl will, will, I'll visually see her as having all of this armor on because, you know, as a child, I had to have armor on for so much of my life. And I her with all this armor on crying and she'll say to me, this is too heavy this is too heavy. And that will be my indication that I need to nurture and mother her and that how I'm approaching something, whether it's the day or a project is just me wearing that armor again. And then, then I will take it off. So she knows that she's safe enough to not need it. Oh, that is so, so beautiful. Just being in touch with her because she always lets us know, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. She is so good with and honest about how she feels. She doesn't have an act on. She doesn't pretend to be okay when she's not okay. She's really authentic. Very much so. It's such a powerful thing to be in connection with your inner child. Absolutely. And just remembering that we all have her. She's going to be a part of us for as long as we live. So we have to have a beautiful, loving relationship with her as as little girls deserve, right? So thank you for sharing that. Something else I wanted to share with you, you know, there's, there's from all of our conversation from the beginning, it's obvious how much fire you have, you know, just the, just the analogies that you use and all of that are so powerful. And listening to you, it really shows how much self-belief you have, you know. And when you talk to women that they're light, they haven't allowed themselves to light, you know, to let their light shine so bright and their belief in themselves is not as strong. How would you go about helping these women to strengthen that belief system and letting their light shine, Cassandra? So what's interesting about self-belief is that it is, it is it's very similar to faith and that you have to believe it before you see it. Mm-hmm. So self-belief is not evidence-based. It is not something where you go, okay, I know I've accomplished this, this, and this before, so that just tells me that I can believe. It is completely based on faith, self-belief is. And one of the gifts of my life is that I come from a long line of women who've had to be very strong, very powerful. Uh, you know, my ancestry has been a gift of women who have had to overcome great odds. And and so it was never an option of, well, do I make it or not? They had to. And Mm -hmm. so my mother coming from all of those women on both sides of my family, you know, Haitian and then German, and then all of these other Cuban and all of these other things. um, My mother raised me with a firm belief that I could do anything anything at all. It was never even a question. So I'm grateful to her for the, for instilling in me such a strong level of self-belief that it was never even questionable. When I coach women who did not have that, they did not have that kind of ancestral pull. They did not have that kind of, you know, um, raising in such a way where where self-belief was a given in their household. The one thing that I like to help them visualize and also speak into their lives about is even though you did not have that growing up for whatever reasons, or it really wasn't in your family, you are the beginning of the next, I don't, 10 generations. You are the beginning of the ancestral line for so many women in generations to come that you will never live to see. So you actually can change the dynamic completely around by simply believing in yourself. What is it that you want your daughter's daughters, daughters, daughters. How do you want her to feel about herself? Because that linkage begins right here and right now with you. Mm -hmm. And typically when we start there, there's a level to which they get 
the faith of that because they will never see their great, 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 great granddaughters. Mm-hmm. So there has to be faith that they understand that that child that will be born long after they leave this earth is their wildest dream is one of their wildest dreams. And they have to believe in themselves if they're going to be able to give that to a child they will never see. Mm, so, so that's a starting point. That is so powerful. That's incredible. I love that. I love that. And Cassandra, you are someone that has a big sense of self and you know what you want. And I come across women on a daily basis that they're like, I don't know what I want in my life. I don't know what I desire. I don't know what I'm capable of. And I know that you you actually have programs about this. And I would love it if you could talk about that a little bit. If a woman is having that sense of not knowing who re- she really is and what she wants out of life, where does she start? What, what can she do to get started with that? Because I believe it's available to all of us. It's just not having um, not coming to that answer just yet. So, so that's such a wonderful question because there are a couple of things. One things, one of the things I say to clients when they're on the fence, like, I don't know who I want to be. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know if I can actually do it. Uh, typically I will say to them, pick one, pick hmm. one and go down the path because your decisiveness in consciously choosing a direction will put all of your energy and momentum into moving forward, which even if that is the wrong path, will eventually steer you to the right path. So the getting out of the analysis paralysis and the getting on to, it doesn't matter what I choose. If I pick one and I wholeheartedly commit to it, it will take me to where I'm meant to go. So that's mm-hmm. what I do for people who are very like, want you to like whiffle waffly, right? I don't know. I don't know. We'll pick one because your commitment tells the universe that you're ready to have your true path revealed to you. And so that commitment then leads to where you're supposed to be. So I think that's kind of one strategy that I use with people who really feel unsure and also feel like they have to get the perfectionist thing. I've got to get it right before Mm -hmm. I can pursue it, right? So when you just pick one, you know it's probably going to be wrong. You're going to wholeheartedly commit to it because what you're learning in this spiritual training ground is not the getting it right. It's the committing to it fully. That's the spiritual training ground that you're in. So the committing to it fully is the lesson. And the getting it right will happen as you learn the committing to it fully part of the process. Mm -hmm. So that's typically the first piece. The other piece that I love to walk women through is I have a program called Elevate Your Life. And it's a four-week online program. And this is specifically for the women who are asking those questions. They're looking at their lives like I did years ago. And they're saying, this doesn't feel right. Mm. this doesn't feel right. And I, you know, this is okay, but I'm settling. This is all right, but this is, this just doesn't feel like where I'm meant to be. I feel like there is more for me, but I can't see it. And I don't know how to get to it. And I want to understand who I really am, what I truly desire. And I want to build my level of belief in that by creating a vision that when it comes out of my mouth and I say it, I feel it. So Elevate Your Life is that four-week program where we go through your numerology, we go through your astrology, we talk about your life lessons, we look at the story that you've been telling in your life, and we actually in the program write a new story, the story filled with the intentions for where you truly want to take your life. And then we start to work into, now that you have this clear vision, how do we elevate your standards, your standards in friendships and relationships 
your professional standards, how do we now make self-love not simply a thing you should do, but the way in which you live every single day? And that is really, that program Elevate Your Life is for people who are asking the question, who am I? What do I truly desire? How do I get there? But they don't yet have a vision for it. Oh, this is so perfect. It fits exactly the need of the woman that I've been talking to because it's, it's just, it covers it. It allows them to discover it and not know the answer. You know, uh, one thing that I learned is that indecision is a decision. When you're in in indecision, you're making the decision to stay confused and to stay lost and not know where you want to get started. But all, like you said, so brilliantly, it's about get started because it's not about that thing that you're starting. It's about who you're becoming, who you, how much you're committing to your vision. And then one thing will lead to another universe is going to respond to you to, to take you where you're meant to go. You don't have to see the final destination to get in your car and start moving, right? You put that in, you know where you're going. You put that in the GPS, but you don't sit in your garage and say, well, I'm not there, so I better not even move. (laughs) Right? Like you do all first, you put the, put the, you know, key in the engine, then you back out. It's, you take one step at a time because you know, at the end, what you desire is possible. What you desire is going to happen. You just first get started. And I think, you know, Elevate Your Life is a perfect starting point for a woman that is right now camping out in the indecision. This is her invitation to actually start moving forward. And, and you know, and here's the beautiful part of it. The universe will take your life as seriously as you do. Mm. And so it becomes very important that, that we, we remember that we are always in a conversation with the universe and that the universe is paying close attention to what we stand for, what we declare, what we intend and what we move towards. And so if we're sitting on a fence and we're just teetering on the fence of life, the universe is looking at us and going, well, there's all of this here for you, but here you are on the fence. The only thing you're committed to is being on the fence. Yes, yes. Oh my God, I want to come back and listen and write this down because this was such a goldman. It's true. If I'm not willing to take my life seriously, why, why, why should universe? Why, if I'm not willing to get off the couch and start moving towards, why is it that you know the universe is like, well, you deserve you know to to be rewarded for doing nothing? No, it doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. It's the same thing with. Women women who say that they want an incredible relationship and they are waiting for Santa Claus to bring the guy. No, you have to get out there. You have to actually either go on that dating app or go, if you, if you're so gung-ho about no, you know, online dating is full of creeps, which I believe that you create your reality. If that's what you believe, that's what you're going to get. But, you know, at least get out there, go where men are. You can't just say you want something and then take zero action. Really, the law of attraction doesn't work that way. You actually have to take the inspired action for you to, for things to start moving forward. (laughs) It's so true. And especially as it relates to relationships, it's so funny when you, when you put it in the context and you say to people, okay, if you knew with 100% certainty that there were 100 men out there who are exactly what you desire, exactly what you want, waiting for you, longing for you, would you not go out there? Would you not, you know, would you, I mean, if you were sure, you would be out there. You'd be out there, you'd just be crushing it. 
and you'd be Absolutely. just living your life, your energy would be radiant. But the problem is, if your belief isn't already in that place, neither is your energy, therefore your energy will not attract those 50 to 100 men. 100%. I couldn't have said it better because if you believe in something, your actions are going to show. It's your actions are always showing what you believe. If you believe that you can get in shape, then you are going to show up for your workouts. But if you believe that no matter what I do, no matter how hard I work at the gym, no matter how healthy I eat, I'm never going to get in shape, then why, why even bother? So that's why you get, you get sloppy and you don't want to do it. Same thing with relationships. If you believe that, if you truly believe the man out there was there for you, you would, your actions would show. So this is the really, really brilliant example of it. It goes with every situation in life. You, if you say you want something, you have to act like you do. Otherwise you have work to do in terms of changing that belief system. So I truly believe this. This is the first action to take. Uh, elevate your life is you showing universe, hey, I'm serious. I'm serious about wanting to find who I am. I'm serious about wanting to create the life that I desire. I, I mean business, so I'm available for you to show me the, other, the next steps. And what's so interesting, Sherzad, is that I, I created Elevate Your Life as the level one program. So there's level one, Elevate Your Life, and then there's level two, the beautiful life blueprint, and then level three is focused mindset formula. And I created them in that specific order because um, lots of people want to jump to the, out, the action, right? So they want to go, no, 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 I don't want to work on my mindset. I don't want to work on my beliefs. I just want to create my beautiful life blueprint. And then I want to use my focus to achieve, achieve, achieve. The mm -hmm. problem with that is you will never outwork your level of belief. Never. Ugh, so if you work out four hours a day, seven days a week, you eat 1300 calories a day, you may lose the weight, but if you don't actually believe that you are worthy of a fit, lean, beautiful body, you will eventually return to where you started, if mm -hmm. not worse, because you cannot outact or outwork your level of belief, which is why the beliefs must change first. Oh my God, you cannot outact your, your beliefs, your level of beliefs. I love that because... It, it just makes light bulbs go in my head. You know, again, I can make it parallel to dating. Women going right, jump into dating um, with all the trauma and drama that they have within themselves. Let's say they believe that there are no trustworthy men out there, mm -hmm. that they can't trust any men. They go and date and here comes a guy. First of all, you most likely are going to attract un untrustworthy men. That's because your belief system is, is attracting them. But let's say you even attract someone that is trustworthy, but your actions of always looking over your shoulder, always, you know, trying to, you know, be up at night, you know, being up at night, thinking about is who is she talking, is he talking to someone else? You, doesn't matter who he is, you're going to to act from that belief system that he's not trustworthy and you're going to, you're going to actually sabotage the relationship. So it doesn't matter if you take the actions without that belief being in place too, then again, you're not going to get results. So get it all in order. The way that Cassandra is putting in is like the, the levels are important. Don't skip the steps. It has to be start from the mind, belief, feelings, emotions, and taking actions. So true. And, and you talk about relationships. It reminds me of my feeling about, about cell phones. I've always been a big believer in relationships. 
I'm not going to monitor your cell phone. I don't need to look at your Facebook. I don't, it, the moment that I have to do that, that tells me the relationship is over. Absolutely. If I feel like I have to micromanage and see who you're talking to, then we have an issue. And mm -hmm. so people who walk in with that, well, are they trustworthy? I have to watch them. You actually are attracting that kind of behavior out of them because that's the energy you're leading with. 100%. It's just so exhausting. Can you imagine having to be someone's like watchdog, like all the time <laughs> no. that they, you have to actually micromanage them. You have to make them trustworthy. You have to do the work that they don't do something that crosses your boundaries. That is just exhausting. Completely. I, nobody has life enough for that. For sure, for sure. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. Oh my goodness, Cassandra, you're just like, you know, honestly, I want to go back and listen to this episode and, and take notes. So many, so many amazing things. Please tell us where can we find you? So definitely CassandraVon.com is going to be a great place. You can learn about uh, all the books that I've written, I've written 27 plus. They're all on Amazon. Most of them are on Audible. You'll find it about the programs there definitely join me on instagram i love instagram so i'm at the cassandra vaughn so the cassandra vaughn on instagram i do igtv lives where i have get it together talks with us i also have a daily email that i send out every single day called the daily dose of inspiration and you can sign up for that at tinyurl.com forward slash kv daily dose Amazing. We'll have all of these available in the show notes as well as um, elevate your life because I know so many of my women want to elevate their lives and this is the perfect starting point for them. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. Uh, we are not off the hook yet. I always end with one question. <laughs> are you ready? Oh, ready. All right. If you go, could talk to younger Cassandra, the girl that didn't have it all together, the one that was speeding and trying to, you know, manage it all and prove everyone, you know, that she is, she's got it together. If you could give her one advice, Cassandra, what would it be? It would be, you know what you want, trust yourself. Oh, Oh, I love that. Simple and truth, because we all do, don't we? We all do yes. know what we want. Absolutely. And it does not change just because we think we're not worthy of it. It's true. It's true. It's if you've been given a desire, if you know what you want, then it only means that you're deserving of having it. You just have to walk that because you have to instill that belief and then the rest your actions are going to follow i love that so much yes awesome wow yeah thank you again once again cassandra it was a beautiful beautiful interview ladies i know that you loved it as much as i did so please share with us your biggest takeaways tag me at fully adored tag Cassandra you have the her handle in the show notes and tell us what are your biggest takeaways and um, make sure that you share this episode with someone that you know it's going to help them to elevate their lives and cultivate that fire to rise like the phoenix that they, we all are thank you so much and I'll see you in the next one I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you found it helpful, it would mean so much to me if you share it with someone that you think needs it. If 
you share it on Instagram, make sure to tag me at Fully Adored so I can connect with you and get to know you better. And to get notified for the next episode, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it. I love you so much. And until next time, remember that you deserve to be loved for exactly who you are.